Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1012 Tuesday, 10th day of October 2023. Bruce Siski show here on KDAL. Great to have you along on a Tuesday morning. It's cloudy outside, but there's baseball in the air. Target field, 2 o'clock for the coverage, 3 o'clock for the first pitch as the Twins take on the Houston Astros in Game 3 of this best-of-five division series. We saw Sonny Gray last week against the Blue Jays. Stellar five scoreless innings as the Twins blank the Blue Jays in Game 2 of that series to move on to the divisional round. Christian Javier will pitch this afternoon for the Astros. He's got some playoff experience, and he's been no slouch really throughout his career, but he had a tough run with the Astros here in 2023. With his ERA ballooned to 4.56 as he went from 17 home runs allowed last year to 25 here in 2023 his strikeout rate went way down his hits allowed rate went way up but as i said he's got some playoff experience 14 appearances couple of starts in the postseason both those coming in last year's world championship run for houston he's allowed just 14 hits in 32 and two-thirds postseason innings pitched with 16 walks and 48 strikeouts yeah he allowed one home run in 12 and two-thirds innings in last year's postseason. Zero home runs over 11 and one-third innings in his two starts. Wins over the Yankees in the American League Championship Series and the Phillies in the World Series. So, yeah, no slouch. Uh, not, not a guy to take lightly. As for tomorrow, we are guaranteed to have a game tomorrow. What we don't know for sure is what time the game will be. I'll explain that here as best I can. If Baltimore beats Texas tonight, the Twins and Astros game is tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Our coverage at noon following a two-hour sound off beginning at 10 a.m. And I won't have a show. If Texas beats Baltimore tonight and ends that series in Arlington, the Twins game becomes a night game tomorrow. Our coverage at 5, first pitch at 6. I'll be on my normal time as will Brad tomorrow if that happens. We'll find out together, I guess, later on this evening. But we don't know who's going to pitch for either team tomorrow. Uh, the Astros uh, manager, Dusty Baker, said yesterday uh, he does not believe Justin Verlander will throw in short rest tomorrow. That would mean Verlander only pitches in a potential game five, which would be against Pablo Lopez Friday in Houston. And the Twins, while they haven't said, it sounds like Joe Ryan is lined up to start. Kenta Maeda is a possibility as well. But those are about the only options to pitch tomorrow's game for the Twins. And we'll let you know on game time. As soon as we know. Uh, today, uh, opportunity back on September 13th at NCHC Media Day to catch up with some players and all the non-Scott Sandal and NCHC coaches. You've heard those conversations over the last few weeks. If you have missed maybe your favorite team or a player or team you want to hear about, you can podcast it at kdal610.com. They're all there. But these two, we're going to get those up there today. Uh, North Dakota Day, I guess we'll call this North Dakota host, uh, co-host the icebreaker this weekend with Bemidji State. 
and had a chance at Media Day to catch up with North Dakota's captain, senior forward Reese Gaber. All right, Reese. So anybody who's ever been in Ralph Engelstead Arena, you're taken aback by the history of the program and everything that's in that building. Has it hit you yet that you're the captain of this team with the program that has this kind of history? Yeah, that's a good question. I think yes and no. Um, you know, at the same time, it's a it's a massive honor, and like you said, with the history and the tradition of of North Dakota, it's pretty cool. And um, you know, to be able to say that, um, you know, I get to have that opportunity and and uh, do what I'm going to do here at, uh, at UND is pretty special. And um, you know, I think just at the same time. Um, from an outside perspective, I mean, maybe it hasn't fully hit me. So, you remember your first visit to North Dakota? I remember every second of it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was during uh, Christmas break. I was on my way home from Dubuque, and um, I stopped in with the coaches. And um, you know, I just remember telling them like, um, you know, it, it's here or nothing really. Like, this is the place I want to be. And um, you know, they, they said that we would get something done. And I was really excited about that, and um, the only time I'd ever been to the Ralph was when I was about probably eight years old, and um, I didn't remember that good, but, um, you know, seeing the, seeing the facilities again kind of for the first time that I remember was um, was incredible, and, um, you know, honestly, I didn't even need a visit to, to commit there, but um, that just made it that much easier. So. That was the next question is, you know, what drew you? Because you hadn't been there. Well, you had been there, but you don't remember being there. So what drew you to, to want to be a part of North Dakota? Yeah, growing up in Manitoba, um, you don't know too much about college hockey, but um, you do know about UND, and and that's kind of um, you know like the staple of, of college hockey for a lot of Western Canadians, and especially being from Manitoba. And um, I actually had uh, someone from my town; she was um, the captain of the UND women's team, and and she played there. And um, you know, I, I had a stick of hers from UND when I was little, and um, you know, it was just my dream school, and um, it was an absolute no-brainer. We're talking to North Dakota captain Reese Gaber. So I remember the first time I saw you play, it was on a TV because it was the COVID year and UMD was playing North Dakota in the pod. So I want to go back to that a little bit. I, I remember the first couple of days of the pod, Carter Savoy from Denver was all the rage. But I kept hearing about this, and I hadn't seen North Dakota more than a couple of clips. This guy from North Dakota named Reese Gaber. Um, what do you remember about the pod? And, and it was kind of a breakout for you as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I thought I got obviously put into um, – I, I was given every opportunity right away um, at North Dakota, and obviously credit to the coaching staff there. Um, you know, I, I think I started playing with, with Pinto, and, um, you know, that's never never a bad thing. And then um, obviously I got an opportunity on that top power play unit, which was really cool to learn and watch from those guys. And, um, you know, it was just really special for me to be able to have that opportunity and then try and uh, make the most of it. We're talking to North Dakota captain Reese Gaber. Shane Pinto, did he ever lose a faceoff? Did that, did that, did you ever see that happen? <laughs> yeah, if you did, um, I don't remember it. But no, he was uh, he was exceptional, and um, you know it was really cool to be able to learn from him and, and watch him how he carries himself. That's got to be fun too. To, to in all seriousness, to start with a guy like that, as good as he was, and not just on faceoffs, everything about being a center, but but knowing that more often than not, when you start, you're starting with the puck. Yeah, possession is so important, and um, you know, obviously that that helps so much when when you start with the puck, and you know, you, we can run our plays and and, and do what we want. So um, having that is a, is a huge bonus, and it was just like I said, really cool to learn from Shane, watch from him. Um, you know, he was an even better person than he was a player, which um, is probably hard to believe. But yeah, he's uh, he's an awesome guy, and I was really fortunate for, for my time with him. I don't want to spend a lot of time belaboring what happened last year, but I, I could not help but notice as last season's going on, Brad Barry 
Gary and Scott Sandlin were roommates in college. They've known each other for a very, very long time. They've won a heck of a lot of hockey games at these respective schools. And for them to both have very similar struggles the same season, was it was very odd to see that. From your perspective in that room, what do you think didn't work, maybe didn't click for you guys last year? Yeah, it's tough to uh, kind of put a finger on it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that um, – probably obviously didn't go the way we wanted to but um you know I think coming into this year everyone's kind of got a fresh start and um you know obviously like we said things didn't go the way we wanted to last year but um you know we're excited to get back to that the North Dakota way and um hopefully uh you know make a make an impact here what you know you did get to play on a little bit last year you had the three game series in Omaha which you won game three that gets you to St. Paul what was the belief like within your group is that something maybe that you can carry over? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, the way things ended last year for, for us returners, um, you know, it's it's a bad taste in our mouths and gives us some motivation. And, um, you know, we, we know what the standard at North Dakota is, and, and we're just really excited to kind of get back to that. Speaking with North Dakota captain Reese Gaber, so have you been a captain before in, in your career? Um, I've never worn the C. Uh, I've worn an alternate a few times, um, my time in Dubuque and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I believe this is the, the first time. Pretty pretty big honor. And, and to be able to do that in college is really cool. What have you taken from captains that you've played for in the past? Because you've played for some really good ones. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, that's a really good question. I mean, um, you know, getting to learn from Jordan Kawaguchi um, was, was pretty special and the way he carried himself. And, um, you know, he held everyone to a standard. And same thing with Sendo. Uh, Sendo, the last two years, was, was really special. Another unbelievable leader. He's done it at the high school level, um, the junior level, and, and the college level. So, um, and then other guys that I've got to know and uh, got to know through my time at UND, like Colton Poolman, um, Gage Osmus, guys like that. Um, so, you know, I just kind of like to pick their brains and, and take what I can. But, you know, being able to learn from those guys and, and see how they um, held themselves in the standard is, is pretty special. And I'm just, um, you know, I'm just here to follow that. Ultimately, you can't be them. You have to be you. So, so how do you see yourself into the season wearing the C? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's a good point. Uh, everyone's different. And um, as much as I like to, you know, want to keep things the same and, and, you know, they pass on the torch to me, um, I know I'm my own person and, you know, I got to lead the way I do. And I, I think the big thing of that is on the ice and, um, you know, my details and, and the standard I hold myself to. And, um, you know, I think a good leader holds himself um, to a really high standard and then he brings along everyone with him. So uh, that's a big goal of mine this year. So as you look ahead here into 2023-24, you've got an opportunity with a lot of new guys to, to really put your stamp on this program. Is this a bigger challenge maybe for you than it would normally be because you've got 14 newcomers on the roster? Yeah, I think you could look at it two ways. Um, you know, maybe it's it is a big challenge having a lot of new guys, but also it's a fresh start for a lot of guys. And um, like we said, it just um, last year, obviously, it's in the back of our minds, but um, that's behind us. And you know, we got, kind of get to just play hockey and, and have fun. And um, I think with the group we have, it's it's exciting. And um, you know, we're just going to go out there and have fun. Among the fourteen newcomers, you turn over the entire defensive core from last year all eight guys I, i've been covering this sport for a long time i don't think i've seen this where a team turns over every single one of their defenders from the previous year but like you said this is it's new it's exciting it's different and and you've got an opportunity here in this lead up to the season to get everybody integrated the way you guys want to play 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, everyone comes in in the summer and, and we gel together and, um, you know, we're already really close as a team. And um, even though it's it's not even eight um, new guys, it's just eight different guys, I believe. And, um, you know, we they, they've figured out the North North Dakota way quickly here. And, um, you know, we got a really good coaching staff and, and support staff returners that they're going to help them. And, um, you know, they were impact players at, at their programs and um, guys that wore letters and um, guys that made big impacts in, in junior. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about our, our group going forward. Over the years, this program has not been afraid to dip into the transfer portal since that kind of became a thing. As you've seen new guys come in, what, are, what do you think are kind of the keys to, to getting everybody on the same page before you start playing games that count? Yeah, I think bringing the guys together, um, you know, hanging out a lot and, um, you know, it's obviously important to try and get everyone close and um, comfortable with each other. But, um, you know, showing them the standard right away, I think, um, you know, making that that standard right away and, and making sure that they know that when they come here, um, this is what's acceptable, this is what's not, and this is how we do things. And I think that's how you keep a culture. Um, and obviously we have a great culture in North Dakota, so it's been a fun um, challenge, so to say, to, to, you know, try and help everyone uh, get to that, uh, into the culture here. A couple more here for North Dakota captain Reese Gaber. So the last three years you've had to deal with Ludwig Pearson and having to find ways to beat him. Now you have to find ways to beat him during the week, but he's going to help you on game day. What's that like? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I was really excited about that when it happened. Um, you know, I obviously we came in the same year and we've had some really good duels and um, now he's my roommate. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. He's a really good kid, um, really humble, carries himself um, in a great manner. And, you know, he's he's very dialed in. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year on our end. All right. So uh, why number 17? What was uh, is there any reason behind it? No, um, when I came in as a freshman, I had uh, a few options to choose from, and um, I think 17 was my first option, That uh, and luckily I got that one. So, um, yeah, no real reason behind that one. You've had uh, you know, a couple of years here with, with fans in the stands. We won't count the COVID year, but uh, you know maybe the favorite couple places for you to visit in the NCHC, whether it be the, the city that you go to or maybe the environment you get to play in. Yeah, um, I think as far as... Um, the NCHC, probably Omaha, um, just probably because of the, the pod. Played a lot of games there, so you know I always feel comfortable playing there and, and having success. So um, there, and then um, I got to experience. We've only been to Amsoil once, but I thought that was pretty cool. There's a lot of a lot of green in the stands there, and um, you know it was pretty cool to experience. Um, that we're just very obviously very fortunate the way our fans travel so yeah I was going to say too a non-conference I got I think Minnesota's up there right I mean that, that's it's such an it's such a great environment when you two play no matter where you play yeah for sure that was probably the first one that popped into my mind just uh, going to Mariucci last year was the first time and um, obviously we had two OT thrillers and um, yeah that was probably one of the cooler moments I've had at North Dakota did you know anything about that rivalry before you uh, you committed to North Dakota because that I mean it's been a thing for so many years yeah, um, not too much before I committed there, but, you know, I found out real quick that it's uh, everyone envies uh, the Gophers and, um, you know, our, our fans, um, obviously, and uh, that rival- rivalry is pretty cool. And, um, I mean, as, as time has went on, we learn more and more about that. That is Reese Gaber, captain of North Dakota. We'll hear from the head coach, Brad Berry, the Fighting Hawks. All those recorded at NCHC Media Day. I want to again thank Michael Wiseman the Associate Commissioner of the NCHC for the accommodations and helping put all this together every single year. 1027 is our time. We continue in a moment. As you'll hear from Brad Berry in North Dakota, 
Some breaking news from the Vikings. We'll detail that as well. Bruce Siski show on a Tuesday on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm at Big Ten Women's Basketball Media Day at the Target Center. We'll talk Gopher hoops next. During the month of September, the Gophers and Cub are teaming up for a program called Cub Kindness. This vendor-supported promotion helps to raise dollars for the Gopher Row the Boat Fund and Masonic Children's Hospital. Please consider donating at the register during this time. And while at Cub, pick up your favorite General Mills, Nestle, Kellogg's, and Unilever products. Cub, proud sponsor and official grocer of Gopher Athletics. First-year Golden Gopher head coach Don Plitza-White says she's happy to have her new home city hosting the Big Ten Media Day this year. As I was just walking in the back of the Target Center, I saw a sign that said, hard hats available upon request. I think that's what our team is at this point in time. We have 14 young ladies. Ten of them are freshmen or sophomores. But in all reality, all of us are really freshmen this year because we're all learning a new system. With that being said, our energy has been incredible. Our ability to learn has been very high. A lot of people ask, what is our goal in year one? And our goal is to learn to compete for long stretches and to compete throughout not only each game, but each series of games to continue to get better. You know, it sounds a lot like coach speak, but that's really who we are at this point in time. We are learning and each time, and this is what we have to keep reminding our players, we, as we acquire new knowledge and new skill, and we become good at that skill, then it's time to change to the next thing that we have to learn and we have to get better at. So we're not at a stage where we feel great because we're always learning new things. But again, the good news is we have a, a group of young ladies who are who care a great deal. They care for each other a great deal, and they are working their tails off at this point in time. That's Gopher Coach Don Plitzel-White, and that's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Your Twin Ports home for UMB Bulldog Hockey. Shot score! UMB! KDAL. Still to come, my conversation from NCHC Media Day, the last of the Media Day chats that we are going to be running in the run-up to the college hockey season. North Dakota opens this weekend. You'll hear from their head coach, Brad Berry, coming up in just mere moments on the radio show. Justin Jefferson on injured reserve for the Minnesota Vikings. More on that as well. 1034, news next on KDAL. Sound off with Brad Bennett. Middays on KDAL. tomorrow on the radio show. Oh, there isn't one. If there is, because of the Twins time changing, we'll update you later on. Justin Jefferson is on injured reserve for the Vikings. He is out at least for the next four weeks, and we'll talk more about that tomorrow morning as well. Here's my chat with North Dakota hockey coach Brad Berry. You guys be able able to make the run to the semifinals last year, but we had talked in February. You know, you and Scott Sandler were roommates in college. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long time ago. Fair, but you know, your teams have always been so similar. To have them struggle the way that they did in the same year was so weird for all of us. By the way, so, you know, yeah. really, really strange. Yeah, well, yeah. When you talk about the success, success both programs had over the last few years, and then last year, it's all about the start of the season, right? You know, uh, I can't speak for Scott, but at the end of the day. If you don't get out of the blocks, if you don't play a consistent brown to hockey early, you're chasing. You're chasing that the first half of the season, which we got better in the second half. We were stronger in the second half. But by that time, you know in college hockey that you got to build your body of work through the whole year. And 
you know, we lost some games early on in the season, one goal games, you know, some, some games that we gave up goals that normally North Dakota doesn't give up goals. And, uh, and, and so that's an area that we're really drilling down on as far as with our group is the start of the season, but playing tighter defensively. As you look back at, at March and you go to Omaha, you won a three-game series there, and that third game, play at the same time basically as UMD St. Cloud's third game. They were completely different hockey games in that you guys had penalty after penalty, and UMD and St. Cloud State were beating the ever-loving snot out of one another with nothing being called. From your perspective as a coach, what would you rather have? If Probably you, if it's be one or the other. Well, you're telling me one or the other. I was going to say a balance uh, <laughs> uh, uh, somewhere in between, but uh, – I guess in playoff hockey, if you get into playoffs, probably none. Probably uh, as close as of letting teams decide it for themselves kind of thing um, instead of a penalty fest and power play penalty kill. College hockey, any, any type of hockey, you want all your guys playing. You know, and, and you know that if you have a lot of penalties, it's the same guys sometimes are on the power players there and penalty kill as five on five. And to me, getting closer to the end of the season or playoffs, I'd rather probably not have penalties called. I know it turned into a long weekend. That's a long trip for you guys, one of your longer uh, bus trips that you'll make. And then you got to turn around and go St. Paul. But how good did you feel about your group and, and the belief that they had in one another after they found a way to beat Omaha and they're going to St. Paul? Well, you want to keep your season alive, right? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're you're on the outside looking in a little bit on the pairwise, right? And you're hoping if you can win a couple more games and you're you're solidified in the pairwise. You know, we were one or two games short of that. And again, that goes into the first start of the season as far as building your body of work, but you know, for us it was just, you know, desperation, you know, was wanting to keep playing the game and and uh the guys were fired up after the the game and it's always tough. I've never seen a lot of teams that that win on the road when you have to go play in a venue and win the best of three. And our guys did that coming here. I thought that was a heck of a game against St. Cloud. Could have went either way, too. And, you know, at the other end was CC, right? At the end of the day, look what CC did. You know, they beat a Denver team. And, uh, um, you know, for us, we were probably a game away from making a national tournament. But now I, I think it's good in our minds knowing that close isn't good enough. And, and at the end of the day, that you can't rely on the end of the season and making a push to get in. you got to do it much earlier than that. Talking to North Dakota coach Brad Berry. So Reese Gaber's your captain now. It feels like only yesterday he was debuting in the pod and, and knocking our socks off watching these games on TV from Omaha. How far has he come as a member of your program and to see him now as a captain? Well, I don't know. We're just blessed and fortunate to have and obviously in Duluth as well. You like to have your guys four years, right? You know, and uh, and they make an impact. Like um, he came in as a freshman and he hit the ground running and, you know, he doesn't waste a shift. Every time he goes out, he doesn't waste a shift. And that transfers onto the rest of your team. And, and having him back for a senior year and being our captain shows our younger guys. We got a lot of new faces in our lineup, but when you got your – so-called best player or one of your best players that that's bringing it every shift and every practice it just sets a bar of the standard for your culture and your group so again it, it's a big deal having him back this year and, and mostly because not only he, I, we feel he's going to have an outstanding year but it's going to hopefully set the bar for our young guys from years to come here what kind of year can Jackson Blake have in year two? Because year one was pretty gosh darn good. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of times when when players have success their first year, you always worry about the next year as far as are they complacent, are they they think that, hey, they got it made kind of thing. And, you know, if, if anybody knows Jackson Blake, you just got to go up the – the the the, um, the ladder as far as seeing his dad Jason he was ultra competitive and he was a guy that didn't rest on his laurels at all and he always wanted to 
be a difference maker in games. And you see a little bit of that in Jackson too, that, you know, we went through the first couple of weeks of practice right now. And I, I see a young man that's, Hey, he's turned the page. He, he wants to, he wants to get better. He's got some good players around him, but he, uh, he's not relying on what he does first year. How much time do you spend with, with your defenseman? Or is it any different? You, a lot. You've, you've, is it, you've turned over. I, I, I've never seen this before. You turn yeah. over your entire defensive core. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, you know, with graduations, with uh, pro signings, with uh, a couple guys transferring, that's what happens. And uh, it's what happened in our group, at least. And, uh, you know, uh, if from the outside looking in, I think everybody goes, man, eight new guys and stuff. And that is pretty intimidating. But at the end of the day, we do have four transfers in here that were three of them were fifth-year players now. Three of them were captains. Uh, Bennett Zamolek was on a very good Mankato program that was out with a whole year with a with an injury that's coming back into a group that has experience. And then we have a couple of 20-year-old freshmen coming in in our group too. So, again, guys that haven't played in our program and wore the sweater yet, but we feel the experience they have, we feel that, uh, you know, we're, we, we've got a lot of depth. Does, does the uh... – influx of talent here does that put more of a premium on the offseason that you you not only you have to get guys integrated in the group make sure that they fit in in the group but you also have to make sure they understand how you play 100 percent. you know uh the biggest thing that you just alluded to bruce is is you know you're at you know whether you're at north dakota whether you're at duluth there's a culture there and and, and you got to fit in and you got to you got to be part of your culture, and 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 the other part is now you got to got to get up to speed on how you play, and uh, and I think you just mentioned it earlier about both programs being very reminiscent of each other as far as how how fast and how hard and how skilled they they have to be to play. Um, that's a big deal, and that's what we try to replicate in practices growing up, uh, leading up to October seventh. And the beauty of it is, you have five weeks to to get after it to. To hopefully get there. How has Ben Bullock looked here? I, I know it, it's never easy to miss an entire season. No, it isn't. It really isn't. He's hungry. Um, you know, if you if you know his dad, who the way he played, and 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 if you know his two older brothers, the way they played, mm-hmm. he's right there. And uh, you know, it's it, it, just a very humble, down to earth guy. Just plays extremely hard in practice. And I think the beauty of it, he knows who he is. He 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 knows what type of player he is. And I think that's that's part of hopefully having a successful team is guys realizing who they are and how they have to play. How much of your preseason with eight new defensemen? How much of this is? I want to see every one of these guys with everybody else just to see what works because you, 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 you're guessing what works most of the time anyway, but you're really guessing right now. 100%. And the other part, you know, uh, you want to try to see if there's chemistry to build chemistry within lines or D pairs or whatever, but give guys opportunity too. Like how many times you come into a season and, you know, you, you don't want the guy that's on the fifth line going, man, I'm a fifth liner again this year. You know what? Give him some opportunity and practices and some scrimmages. Maybe he'll surprise you. Maybe he'll bump up in the lineup, and the guy that you thought up top was going to move down a notch or two. I think competition is good, and, and giving guys hope that they can be in a bigger role. Talking to North Dakota coach Brad Barry, uh, you know the transfer comes in goal. Ludwig Person comes in after three years at Miami. I talked to Reese Gaber. He was very, very excited to not have to face him in games anymore. How excited are you to have to coach against that guy in games? He stole a lot of games in Miami. <laughs> he did. He really did. He got a lot of work, and he stole a lot of games. And and But he's a competitor. And, uh, you know, that was an area that, obviously, we felt we needed to be better at. And, uh, you know, we have Hobie Hedquist that's coming in as a freshman, had two good years in, in Alberni Valley. But you know how tough it is as a goaltender from junior hockey to, to play in the NCHC. It's nice to have a guy that has experience, and you know we're gonna we're gonna probably lean on Ludwig right away early on. But you know, hopefully, Hobie can get up to speed to 
to push and challenge a little bit here too because uh, at the end of the day, I think in order to be a good team, and like in the NHL as well, you got to have two good goaltenders. You know, we, we saw, we talked about the struggles of, of UMD and North Dakota being parallel, and, and goaltending last year was maybe not great for either one of them. For you, you know, how much of it do you think was the goaltenders struggling yeah. versus your maybe defensive play? Because it felt like defensively you guys are pretty strong. When I saw you, at least, you, were, you weren't giving up a lot. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's uh, – that's a great question, Bruce. Uh, I think every time that, you know, you're losing games uh, and you're giving up goals, every, everything points to the goaltender, right? And I think at the end of the day, yeah, could our goaltender be better? I think so. But at the end of the day, I think the guys in front of them could have been a lot better as well. And I think the quality of goals is the things that we look at. You know, when when you're giving up goals that are uh, ones that goaltenders really don't have a chance at, like in the grade A areas or the pass across, the creases and stuff, those are plays where we could be stronger defensively. If a goaltender lets a puck in outside the dots, man, your goaltending's probably got to be a little bit better. So I think we really try to differentiate that and really peel back the layers on what we were. We were a combination of both last year, I think, early in the season. Some sweet goal, soft goals, goals and also some uh, goals that were in the grade A areas that we, we could have did a better job defending. Use that T word already transfer because you've got seven of them on this roster, 14 newcomers total. But this is the last year that players can use the COVID year. This yep. is the group that are seniors right now. This is it. They can make their decision after this year, and that'll be the last time we have fifth years. For you as a coach, what's that mean? Well, I think it brings a little more certainty, right? Uh, you know, I think any coach would say, yeah, I'd love to have a guy fifth for a fifth year. And you know what? I loved Mark Sennon and Gavin Hain being fifth year guys. That was awesome. But I think it gives you certainty now. Like, you know, we didn't know that we were going to have those guys back until probably midsummer. Right. So again, what does that do to your group? To the next guys coming up, how do you plan for that? I think it gives coaches more certainty now that hey, you don't have that option anymore. Do you think this is going to bring down the population of the transfer portal, which was very well populated this past spring and probably will be again this coming spring? You know what? I got that question uh, uh, offered up to me earlier on here today, and I think the only—I don't think the portal is going away. And I don't think I don't know how many uh, more much activity is going to be more than it was this year or less. All I know is the way to control it is probably have more regulation on it. I know they they closed kind of the uh, the windows of it this year a little bit on when you can go in and when it closes kind of thing. But I think it's always going to be there. And I think it like for us we needed it this year. We have 14 new players. We couldn't bring in 14 freshmen. At the end of the day, this was a year where we needed some transfers. There's some years probably we won't probably need a whole lot of transfers, if any. So I think it's all dependent on every program and what their needs are. How much time do you spend here in, in this run-up to the season trying to fit you? We talked about, you know, deep pairings, but just your overall combinations with 14 new players because it's not like your schedule's easy where you can just <laughs> go out there and, and mix and match during games. No. No, for sure. Uh, and again, we just talked about starting your season on time and having a body of work, and that's a big, big deal. But I do believe, you know, having a, having a tough non-conference schedule sharpens you, man. I'll tell you, like, you know, you want to win those games, and, and believe you me, I, we, we have to win those games. And But at the end of the day, you know, when we start the NCHC, we're going to be battle-tested and ready to go playing, playing the, the opponents that we have. In the NCHC, with, with Arizona State coming in, you'll, you'll have eight different places you can travel starting next year, but now it's seven. Of the seven, maybe a couple for you that, that stand out, either the environment that your team gets to play in or the city you're visiting that is, is maybe being your favorites. 
Ooh, uh, are you talking conference, non-conference? In conference. In conference. Yeah, well, you know, like the rivalry games, like those are ones that, like me personally as a coach, when you go into Denver, into Duluth, like you know you're in battles, you know you're in games, like those are storied rivalries. But then then again, then you go into, you know, like what's developing for us right now, our travel partners, Omaha. I mean, you you develop a rivalry there as well. That's not a traditional rivalry that that, that gets into it. And now you're seeing teams like CC that are jumping up on the, uh, in the standings and different things. So I, I, to me personally, and again, it's not a cliche, but I think each and every one of the uh, – uh, teams in our league bring bring a rivalry, and I, I think you look forward to getting in those buildings. I was going to say, you're in North Dakota. Isn't everybody a rivalry for you? <laughs> no, <laughs> at, I, least they, at least I, they think you are. Yeah, I well, well they, I think so, but I think the brand that I – we've been 10 years into this, Bruce, already, and I think the brand at the NCHC, and I know the Big Ten, obviously they've had a good year or two or whatever, but I'll tell you what, the consistency and the level of the NCHC is second to none, and if I was a player, I'd want to play in the NCHC. Always recruiting. North Dakota coach Brad Berry. They have the icebreaker along with Bemidji State this weekend. Army and Wisconsin. Visit those venues Friday and Saturday. 10.52. Wrap it up in a moment. Bruce Siski Show, 610 FM 103.9 KDAL. For Twin Ports home for Twins Baseball. In the corner. KDAL. All right. 2 o'clock pregame. Right after Brad. 3 o'clock first pitch. Sonny Gray, Christian Javier, Game 3. Twins-Astros from Target Field here on KDAL. Playoff baseball every pitch of every game for the Twins. However long it goes, we hope it goes a lot more longer than this. I promise you that. As of now, we have no show scheduled tomorrow. If there is a show, if the Twins end up playing at night, we'll have a show. And I'll have something planned out. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning with Dave. How's that sound? Brad's up next to sound off. Have a great day. Go Twins. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What do you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28, FBFM, and 610 KDAL, Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.